Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Happy Wednesday, you guys. Y'all, we are back with another Patreon party preview episode for you today. Last week, you heard part of our marriage mini-series. I hope you loved it as much as I did. And this week, we're sharing with you an episode of something we call After the Show. After the Show is one of my most favorite shows that we create for our Patreon party. That's why we're sharing it with you today. All of the members of our Patreon party are invited to join for these conversations, to share their questions for the happy hour guests, and to actually interact with us during recording. The episode today was unique, though, because our guest was able to be in person with me. And so we brought Lindsay on to ask your questions. We had listener questions for Andrea. My guest today is Dr. Andrea Holman. Andrea's a real-life friend. She lives here in Austin, Texas with me. She was actually a guest on happy hour number 254. And she's been one of the most requested for a follow-up conversation that we've ever had on the show. In this conversation today, we talk about foster care, being a person of color in a majority culture church, and how the church needs to make the standard of beauty instead of upholding the world's standard as its own. This episode is straight up fire. Okay, friends, here is the conversation with my friends, Dr. Andrea Holman and Lindsay Sweeney. Hey, 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 Patreon friends, this is after the show. And this is just for you guys. You guys listen to the podcast. You hear someone come on and you think, Jamie, I have questions. Jamie, they said something I don't understand. Jamie, I need more information. And we're going to say, all right, we got you girls. We're going to take care of you. So this is just for our VIP patrons, which if you're listening to this, you are that. And we are so excited about how this is going to go. And so today, my guest is Andrea Holman, Dr. Andrea, as some of you have referred to her since the show. Uh, She was on in July, episode number 254. And I told my husband, Aaron Ivey, after the show aired, I said, babe, I just released one of my favorite shows ever. And the reason I loved it so much, and I think the reason so many of you guys have resonated as you've listened, is because it was just two girls, two women, having a very... Um, important conversation. And Andrea brought so much to the table just in her research, in her study, in her education on really important issues that are affecting everyone's day-to-day life in America, especially in our current climate, but a lot of us in our everyday worlds, like personally as well. So Andrea's back. Andrea, welcome to After the Show. Well, hello, hello, everybody. I talked you into coming back to my studio again. You did. You did. First of all, I have a question for you that's not one that's come in. And Lindsay's here. Lindsay. hey So Lindsay's here. You guys know Lindsay. She runs Patreon stuff for us. Uh, I have a question for you first. Lindsay's going to ask some questions that people have sent in, but here's a question I have for you. Okay. How has it been since being on the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast? It has been uh, full, (laughs) fuller, let me say. My life has been fuller. Um, And... A lot more dialogue with strangers, let me tell you, Jamie. Thank you, you for that. Do you have so. a public Instagram yet? <laughs> Listen, at the urgent Cha-ching. suggestion of Miss Lindsay over here, because um, I could... Listen, I am about as introverted as one could be, okay? So I don't do a lot of stranger things. 
conversation, <laughs> yeah. interactions, touching, nothing with strangers. But now I do. Okay. So you have a public Instagram so now. Now it's out the there. The people can find you. They, if they so desire, they can. They I have, won't go looking for them. They have found <laughs> they you. They can find me. Have you had a ton of DMs and questions? Okay. They found me. They Googled me, mm. Jamie. So they oh, got they my found work emails. <laughs> yes. They found me on the Facebook. They found me on the Instagrams. They out here. You um, can't hide. You I tried. Hide. I tried and failed. Um, but what I have learned when, to answer your question is there are a lot of women with a lot of feelings and a lot of questions about a lot of things. <laughs> it's been good, that. though. It has been very good dialogue. I've been so, so humbled by how, like you said, just a conversation with you that seemed very natural and very flowing seemed to um, make a lot of women feel held and seen and validated, but also provoked a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. um, and a lot of conviction, I think, in, in several areas. We talked about a lot of things We did on the talk show. about a lot of things mm-hmm. on the show. And I, I would say that's the feedback I've heard as well, mm-hmm. as it made me think, I felt like someone understood. Sure. She opened my eyes to things I never thought about. Yeah, and so yeah. I so am like proud of a show that we put out like that. I am too. I you know, I'm so. like, yeah, it's I've heard good. a lot of, um, I'm going to listen again. I got to listen again and go back. Um, and so that's just very humbling, very encouraging to think that um, some of the same convictions I had God is instilling in other people. Yeah. So that's great. Well, thanks for coming back out sure. to the tiny house for mm-hmm. sure. I'm out here. Uh, yes. You're here and we have some questions. <laughs> listen, I'm on the hot you. seat. So you hit me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 30 minutes, Lindsay. So you better hit me. All right. We ready? <laughs> we got this question several times, okay. but M Thompson, she asked, why is the thought we have room? Why not us for foster families wrong? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I want you to answer that, but I do want to say it because I think I said something on the show. That might have brought that on. Do you remember when I told you that there's a video out there and I said in the video, we have, we're a mom, I'm a mom, Aaron's a dad, we have a Mm -hmm, house, mm -hmm. we should adopt kids. She might be referring to that. Okay. And I take that, I would not say that publicly again. Okay. And I think we went into that with some things, but Mm -hmm, you can take mm -hmm. it from there as to why it's just not that simple. Sure, sure. Um, I'm going to start a little bit broadly, though, and kind of theoretically and say um, when you're talking about issues around race and racism, it's very easy to feel like they are dichotomous, that there is a right and a wrong way to say or to act or to behave, especially when you're the one holding the racial privilege, right? And especially in 2019, when everything is about, feels like it's about political correctness and the way that you should be and not trying to be quote unquote racist, racist four letter word, right? These days. So I wouldn't say that having that mentality is, is wrong. It just is potentially problematic in certain ways. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So, and that, that's a notable difference. I'm not, it's not just semantics. That's a real difference that I think people need to realize that it's not a wrong thought. That's a helpful, to use the word again, altruistic thought. It's something that you want to do to help kids. There's that's nothing wrong right. with that. There is nothing wrong with that. Okay. But we actually need more of that. I mean, I, right. As that, I said, I'm a foster mom. Yeah. I would love people to help we got a lot of that, foster kids. That's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Okay. The part become when simply a desire to help can end up with a potential to hurt. When you don't educate. 
when you go into it naive. I like it, yeah. Or not fully understanding the implications or the consequences of what it is that you're doing. That's the part that can be problematic. Yeah. So when you come in without education around cultural gaps, without education around privilege, without education around um, what the dynamic looks like or can be perceived in public with you and your child, those things can end up being hurtful or harmful to that child. And actually part of the feedback that I've gotten from listeners um, from this podcast is that there has been foster kids who were raised in uh, homes, children of color who were raised in homes. And they said, oh, my gosh, thank you for saying so much of what you said, because, hey, my parents loved me. They, they did, you know, a fine job raising me. But I felt a lot of the ways that you described. Yeah. So, so bottom line is mm-hmm. it's not wrong. It's, it's not, not a wrong, wrong thought. It is just you need to be ready to prepare yourself for challenges, yes. education, absolutely, nar- historical absolutely. narratives, all those things. Yes. Got and it. that goes beyond just um, interracial adoption too. Fostering in general is one of the most difficult things yeah, yeah. to do, uh-huh. bar none. Yeah. So going into it naively and thinking, I have a home, they don't, good talk, Yeah, um, may not, may be a little short-sighted. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. So along those same lines, um, Mrs. Jen Anderson, okay. she, they have done this, they fostered. They're six to seven years out of that. And they did it because of a push in their church to do that and mm-hmm. really felt mm-hmm. called by the Lord to do that. And there was support and rallying around that. Now she wants to know, we've done it. And it feels as though this, there's an entire group of people who are obedient. And now we're dealing with a lot of trauma and issues that are hard to navigate with little to no resources from the church. Mm. How do we move forward? Is there anything you can do to help? That I can do? Yeah, still? call uh, up. Here's Andrea's <laughs> number. 512. Jamie, don't you get nobody to my number, okay? Do you have resources? They can't find me like that now. This is where I draw my boundaries. Do you have resources? Do you have support Mm -hmm. ideas? Um, Well, let me support Jen. Is that her name, Jen? Jen. In this way, Mm -hmm. first, I see you and I have seen people like you and I've talked to people like you and hugged people like you and sat with them while they cried, okay? Because this has happened in multiple uh, white evangelical spaces, religious spaces, okay, that they have, there's there's something around, you know, scriptures around true religion and caring for the orphan, very true and very real. Um, But what happens is people can start to feel like, well, if I really love Jesus, then that's what I need to be doing, right, Um, is caring for them in some way. And then they get in over their heads, okay? Um, I have Jen is not the only one, so she's okay, yeah, all right? Because yeah. um, a lot of women, ha- men have felt this way. Uh, I think it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very sorry for that, that they end up feeling alone in something that they thought they were doing because out of a love for Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and really truly wanted to help mm-hmm. and now feel isolated and, and overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'll support them first in just saying that I see you. Um, in terms of something else we talked about on the podcast, that's okay to grieve that. You don't love your kids less. It's not that you're going to kick them out of your house, but you can take a minute and say, this is not what I thought was going to happen. It's not what I expected. This is tough. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's perfectly fine yeah. to say, and yeah. you'll still love Jesus and yeah. say that. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of resources, I, okay, I'm going to say this. Y'all don't at me. Okay. <laughs> Just, I'm going to say this, but I think, what you might have to do is go outside some of these evangelical uh, resources, okay? Um, that some of the things that I would recommend are just 
books that are either psychologically based, educationally based, um, they just kind of are, but they don't have necessarily scripture references in them. And I know that that can be difficult. Some people have attention and wrestle with that. Of like, is this it's going okay. to be secular, mm-hmm. unbiblical stuff? But that's what you pray on that. Yeah. Okay. Because the Holy Spirit isn't everything you can discern and, and take the information for what you will. Um, but I think there's a way you can marry certain resources to end up getting some help. Yeah. That's okay. good. I can give you some yeah. books or some people. Yeah. yeah. Where most of their stuff is, is legit yeah. enough. And then you can go from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just would throw in my two cents, Jen, is I've seen a little bit of a turn from the church, a local church that, that I've seen things happen in, of them saying, okay, so we had this big, like, go save the orphan mm-hmm. kind of push mentality. Mm-hmm. And now we are seeing the effects that this is actually really hard. Yeah. And some people actually were not equipped to do the work. Sure. And so there's a little bit of a backpedaling happening and they're mm-hmm. going, okay, we need counseling for these parents. We need uh, classes. We need to equip. Absolutely. And so I do see that. I think the backpedaling is hard. Yeah. And, and you ever backpedaled? It's hard, mm-hmm, you know? And mm-hmm, so I think we're mm-hmm. seeing that that's difficult, but I'm hopeful that we're seeing enough people in leadership sure. who have gone through this that are going, hey, hold up. It's not as easy as our church should adopt every person in this city. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. True. But mm-hmm. we should equip people before they Absolutely. step into it. So yeah. thank you, I Jen. think it's very similar to any other thing that you might get into, um, like marriage. Yeah. A lot of people get married because they just really like somebody mm-hmm. and they want to touch them. Yeah. <laughs> Is that inappropriate? All over. Um, but, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, they just do. Yeah. And so then they get into it and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This and then is really hard. 20 years in, there's less touching. And they're like, oh, what do okay, we do now? <laughs> what did I do now? Right? But then they start questioning, like, did God really call yeah. me to this? Am mm-hmm. I really, do I love because them? Because it got hard. Per- right, because it got really hard. Yeah. That's okay to reevaluate and, and, and kind of, um, not to live in doubt, I want to be clear, but to also come back and reassess and say, how do I do this well? Yeah, and how do I educate you know? myself more? And how do I educate myself yeah. more? Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you one other foster care question. Okay. Um, our friend Leah mm-hmm. Houston, she and others have asked, mm-hmm. um, how would you encourage foster parents to build bridges with their biological parents of the children they're fostering? Oh, gosh. Um, gosh. The first thing that comes to mind, though, is to do so, you know, carefully and realistically, because sometimes that's not always the, the most best. safe thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the healthiest thing for the child. Um it's very, in my, one of the foster children that we had, a little girl, we had her for the longest, and she went back to her mother. She was unified with her mother. And that was the most humbling thing for me to go through because I realized how much pride I felt in being a stable parent. I thought I was better than her because her kid was in foster care. And that's the truth. I thought I am stable. I have a job. We have, I'm married. I have dual income. All my kids are from the same father. So anything that I would have is inherently better than anything that this foster baby would go through, right? That is pride. That is identity in what I do and not what Jesus did for me, all right? And I didn't even realize that. I couldn't have realized that until I started talking to this mom and realized that she does the best she can for who she is and what she's got. There's more to the story. There's so much more to the story. So I would say in terms of building bridges, that best bridge you can have is humility and to actually see those humans for real humans. That's good. And made in the image of God and not people that just messed up their Mm -hmm. kids, right? So good. Um, Because a lot of people would say that to me when I, it's, it's weird when you have kids in foster care, just a PSA also, 
telling kids stories about why they're in care is a very delicate thing. It's sensitive. So when people would ask me about it, sometimes I'd give very broad statements. We'd had a whole narrative that was vague, but not too revealing about why she was in care. And a lot of people respond and say, how could you do that to a kid? Mm-hmm. What kind of person? And I'm like, me? Mm-hmm. I'm entirely capable of that. Never thought I had anger issues till I made humans from scratch. Okay. And then all of a sudden they came out. So if there's some sort of empathy you can have and see them for real people, put context to their story, hold their hands, touch them. I know that sounds basic and, and fundamental, but when, you, when you're proud and when you feel superior, you won't do those things. You'll have a physical distance as well as an emotional one. Um, and I think coming toward, like Jesus did for us, to those parents, because it's really about them. Fostering is about them. Um, Our goal is reunification, Mm -hmm, always, mm -hmm. with foster care. Absolutely. You know, and so Mm -hmm. even having that, the posture of we're for you as a parent. Yes. That is Mm -hmm. such a big mentality. We've never fostered, but my friends Mm -hmm. have had, that is such, we're for you. We want you to parent your child. Absolutely. And that takes humility from what you were just talking about. It really does. Of me going, okay, I know that I have these things. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm still for her. Absolutely. Even with, I mean, Jamie, with adoption. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the same thing. We mm-hmm. would hear like, oh, what kind of mom gives her kid away? Yep. We would hear that often. All the time. And I'm like, oh, are, you know, anybody. Mm-hmm. You don't know what scenario they were in as absolutely. well. Absolutely. I would always say people would ask me the question with um, open adoptions. Yes, We have an yes, open adoption absolutely. with one of our kids. And people would say, I, you know, how much is too much or yeah, how open? Yeah. And I always just say, take small steps because mm-hmm. you can move forward way better than you can move backwards. Absolutely. There's Absolutely. that backpedaling again. Yes. Yeah. That realistic kind of aware. What you said was mm-hmm. realistic. Mm-hmm. It's not that we are going to push you away, but we're going to take small steps because let, let's just be honest. A kid mm-hmm. doesn't end up in foster care because everything's perfect in the home. No, there no. is some reason there are things. we want that to be remedied. Absolutely. But there is a safety sometimes issue. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And you can kind of see, it can be a negative filter sometimes where you can see everything that those parents mm-hmm. do. Instead of, yeah. As, as, and kind of vilify them. Exactly. See that everything they do is negative and that's not yeah. helpful. So There you go, Leah. Mm-hmm. That's really good. So Felice Fuller would love to know how to navigate being a person of color in a majority white church. Girl, I don't know, Felice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to DM you when I figure it out, okay? Because <laughs> I don't know. Okay, but along the same line. Um, then. Yeah. <laughs> how we got 30 minutes? Okay. We got 15 more minutes. Go. <laughs> Listen, okay. I'm going to tell you this. This is what I'm going to tell you. And then we can have a six-hour conversation later, Felice. Um, this, this is, I'm on this vulnerable stuff today. I'm, I'm exposed for the Patreon members. But this past spring, I had, it was a particular weekend. I think it was in February. And my husband and I had, I don't know, three events, three or four events that we had in a couple of days. You remember this? Um, and I was the only black person, or other than my husband, some of I was by myself, some he was there. We were the only black people that were there at these events. And I found myself experiencing something I couldn't label. I didn't know if it was anxiety or fear or introversion, because we already just said that I am quite introverted. And I couldn't quite tell what it was. But what was happening was I didn't want to engage. I would be there, and I just didn't want to say anything. I couldn't wait to leave. I just didn't want to be there. And so I'm like, what am I, am I depressed? What is it? Anxious? What is going on? And I said, well, probably I should tell someone. Probably I should share this with my spouse because, like, that's a thing. You're supposed yeah, to talk to yeah. him. And so I talked to him and he said, you know what I think? I think you're feeling the burden of being black in predominantly white spaces. And I thought, oh, my God. Something hit me in the core when he said that. And I said, I think you're right. 
I'm tired. I'm tired of feeling like I can't bring all of myself to a particular space. Not can as in I'm not allowed, but can as in I don't want to risk microaggressions or I don't want to explain or educate or be the fun, sassy friend of color, you know, that's bringing this life and vibrancy to a, a space. And I thought, I, can't, I don't know if I can do this anymore. So what I did, this is, I think, something for her, is I went to talk to another black female friend of mine. So you need some people around you. Um, that can understand that. And this friend told me, she said, you know, you have permission to not engage, right? You know, you can take a step back. That's okay. And I didn't, I didn't think I could. I thought, well, I have to go. I have to engage in this way. And you don't. So you can have permission to only be around people of color. That's okay. All right. You don't, I am not going to give you permission to be resentful and bitter and um, distant because I don't think Jesus calls us to that. But I do give you permission to take a minute to treat yourself with kid gloves emotionally and lament and say, hey, this is really hard. Or be around people where things are a little more life-giving. That's okay. Can I ask you a follow-up question? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I don't remember if I asked you this on the show or Becca Matemba on the show, mm-hmm. but um, I think it was Becca. Why do you stay? You could go to Mount Zion. I could. I could go other places. Um, Which is a great church. Yeah. Predominantly. Um, I was, so, you know, from our IG Live, Becca and I had dinner. That's mm-hmm. one of those times yeah. where we say we need a little minute. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we've asked ourselves that a lot of times. And I, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes I really don't know. I don't have an answer all the time. But that same friend I met with in February who gave me the permission to take a step back, she said, you know, there's a difference in feeling called to um, educate and kind of help white folks advocate in the realm of race and racism and then simply advocating for black lives. Those are kind of two different missions and ministries. And the first is a lot harder than the second to do because you're in boots on the ground. You're getting faced, you know, and hit with constant opposition and defensiveness and privilege and all of these things rather than just simply advocating for a group of people to add in trying to bring this kind of anti-racist conviction is very difficult and draining work. And so you do need time back and time away. But if you feel called to that particularly, you can't. The first one. You can't leave. Yeah. 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 Um, And there is hope for a lot of things. I'm not going to, I don't want us to say like, this is the worst thing ever. Right. You know, um, there is a lot of hope, a lot of encouragement. Uh We have built very, very good community, but there is something there that says, you know, I I want to feel like I can bring all of myself in a particular space. And I want my kids around people that look like them as well at church. Mm -hmm. So it's a hard tension that I really, I haven't figured out totally still wrestling with, but we do give ourselves permission to have certain dinners at our house. That's invitation only. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just, they happen. Good, so. good. Well, I'm mm-hmm. glad you're here, but you know, we'll keep on with the questions. <laughs> yes. I'm going to ask a follow-up question. As your friend mm-hmm. and someone who's been in majority culture yeah. and in church, how can women and men of majority culture who have friends and people of color mm-hmm. in their life and are part of that, how can we do more to be aware mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. like, like if I'd been with you that weekend, is there anything I could have done to be a support mm. or to even be like, I see you? Yeah. Or like, what could we do? I mean, you, yeah, because I know you like, you know, <laughs> um, but your regular average person honestly probably wouldn't have even known that I was feeling that way. Um, but I think what you're talking about to me stems from um, racial advocacy. 
And how do you do that? And a lot of people have questions on that. They have sent me the mm-hmm. questions on that in the last week or two. What do I do? How do I help? Um, because they really honestly, earnestly want to know how they can see these people. Um, and I think part of the biggest part of it is challenging your privilege and challenging the comfort that comes with being around people who are just like you. Um, I think when you walk into your church, when you walk out of it, church events, look around, see people, see what's going on, and don't be afraid of your own feelings that may come with explicitly discussing race. Okay, race, privilege, identity, racism, those are all four very different things. Okay, and so what I've seen a lot of, especially a lot of women, a lot of women will feel nervous, right? Because they think, I want to bring this up. I want to ask. Something's happened in the media, you know, around the country, and I want to see how they're responding to it, but I'm scared because I don't want them to feel weird or I don't want to feel weird, you know, or make things awkward. I can guarantee you they probably already know and they have already gotten their responses on it. Rather than making the interaction about you, because that's what privilege lets you do, make it about them. See them. Ask them. Be okay holding and maintaining your own emotional response, okay? Because you don't, that's, that's work. That is work for the person of color around you to hold your emotions around things. So hold your own and listen to them. Believe them. Let their perceptions be. There's wide variability in how people perceive things and what their experiences are. So mine may not be the same one as someone else's at, at your church, you know, um, or even someone else at our church, you know? So I think hearing them, believing them, not being afraid to ask the questions um, because there's, for the vast majority, I think at least for black folks, you're, it's always there. Yeah. There's something that you could always yeah. think about. And for us, for my husband and I, I can say the silence speaks volumes. That's the part where we feel like we start to see a kind of a mistrust and a distance that will happen if I'm honest, yeah. because we'll say this happened, this occurred, this joke was made and nobody said anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the part where we learn yeah. about people. Um, or at least if that wasn't the intention, though, now we're still learning something that's not accurate. Yeah. You see, so speaking and just dialoguing and saying, let me hear from you. Let me learn from you. I think is helpful. It's a good Lis- first step. Listen. Listen. Lament. Believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. What's next, Lindsay Lou? All right. So Callie would like to know, kind of in the same lines, how do I diversify my friend group? I truly desire this, but I really have no idea where to start. So Jamie, why don't you give us an answer to this? Well, I think that this is a question that a lot of probably white people are asking. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we tend to, you know, whatever your ethnic or whatever, even your marriage state or single Mm -hmm. or kid state, we tend to flock with who we have in common with. Sure. Mm-hmm. Married, preschool mom, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll give an example, and you, Andrea, Dr. Holman, you can tell me if this was wrong. I was at school last year, first at like parent teacher meeting or whatever, and we did live in a predominantly white area, and I saw a woman of color, and I went up and introduced myself mm-hmm. to her and said, "What grade are your kids in?" And lo and behold. Her son is now one of my kids' best friends. Her daughter is one of Story's good friends. Mm -hmm. And so it was just me going, oh, I see you and I would like to be your friend. Mm -hmm. Not because I need to like add a tally list to Mm -hmm. black friends, but I realized I would like to have a friend of color, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. That's what I did. Is that wrong? I did that at the library one day, Jamie. I saw this lady. She was black. I was like, hey, girl, 
What's yeah. up? She yeah. had a kid that was close to my son's age. Some girl did that to me at the park in our neighborhood. Yeah. She's like, my husband's black. I mean, she didn't just come up and say For sure. Yeah, she yeah. We talked. Yeah. Right? That wasn't, it wasn't yeah. as awkward as mm-hmm. I just made it seem. Uh, but it, that's what happens, I think, a lot of the time. Um, it's like saying, how do I make a friend who's older than me? You look for you people. You see older an older you lady and you go be go talk to her. Go talk to him. Um, I think honestly, I think an extension of privilege again, if we use that word, is to wait for what you want to come to you. That's just, that's racial privilege. That's economic privilege. I sure want some whatever. Let me Uber eat. You yeah. know, like mm-hmm. it could come to me because mm-hmm. I am the one who wants it, and I am the one yeah. who then therefore is yeah. entitled to it. Mm-hmm. Go out. Go out. Go out. Yes. Be uncomfortable. Okay, because what you're really doing when you just have the desire and you just tell people in your circle the desire is you're putting the work on the people of color to come to you. And that's not really fair. Yeah. Um, So and honestly, you're kind of waiting for them to kind of conform to your friend group and circle and culture uh, as opposed to going out, seeing their seeing differences and whatnot. So if you now listen, you find someone that let's just say, for example, a black person. That does not necessarily mean you're going to be BFFs and just made in heaven just because you want to be friends with them. You may not mesh well. You're going to make some friendship bracelets and share you're them. Right. Just I got half of the heart that. that says B E F R I, and you Stop got the other it. part. And you got the other. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking right. about? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to buy you that for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I like that. Like, it's, it is just like, it's sometimes, I'm not going to say it's easy because yeah. we get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just, that's my privilege to be yeah. able to say that, probably. Uh, but I would say, if I want to have more single ladies in my life, I got to maybe go where single where people single are. people are. You know, I got to go wherever yeah. that might be. I mean, I think you're right. You look at it as if it were a social identity that you wanted to yeah. have more in your life. Yeah. Mom friends. Mm-hmm. You go to your mob stuff. Yep. You go to, I don't know, I'm introvert. I don't do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. But that's what I hear. That's what, people, <laughs> that's what you hear the people yeah, are doing. That's yeah, what yeah. the people are doing <laughs> yeah, in theory. Yeah. You yeah. go to your parks, you uh-huh. take your kids, and you look around. Yeah. And you strike up conversation. Mm-hmm. It can be hit or miss. You're like, nah, you're not the kind of mom yeah. I'm trying to have. Uh-huh. Wow, match made in heaven. You know, and yeah. it just, it can depend on the person. I don't like talking to strangers, though. I, I would take my kids to the park. Or like, and bring a book. Mm-hmm. Listen, you kids go play. I'm gonna read my book. Yes, absolutely. and other moms are making friends. I'm. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm good. It's scary, yeah, I'm you good. know. Yes. But <laughs> I yes. have made friends that way, you know. Okay, what's yeah. next, Lindsay? All right, next is from Ari. She was asking us, how can we challenge and encourage women to value inner beauty rather than outer beauty? Ooh. And specifically, I think. In the church, and then she's like, just as a culture, our yeah. friends, yeah, family, raising children, all of those things. Mm-hmm. I talked about this on our um, Instagram live. There was a friend of mine who sent me that screenshot of her friend telling her she was shopping for bathing suits and was feeling awful and ugly and whatnot, and she affirmed her. She affirmed the fruits of the spirit that she saw in her, and she said, no, your body did a thing and birthed a baby. Puffy bodies are okay, just like thinner bodies. All of them are um, God's bodies. And so I think very small interactions like that where you're changing language and not just enabling things, that goes a long way. It does go. And I think you Mm -hmm. said something on the show that was so profound when you said we got to, if we're going to be the church, we have to be different, Mm -hmm. which means the Mm -hmm. culture's not saying that. No. And it never will. No. This is not going to change. Mm -mm, mm Mm-mm. Um, and so it does take yeah. the, us just standing up being different. I think, oh, and I'm telling true. you, even since we had that conversation, it's hard. That is hard. It's so hard because we are so trained that that is what it is, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 
I'll start a workout. I've started Couch to 5K 15 times in my life and done week one, day one, day two. <laughs> the reason I always start it is because I feel like I want to lose weight. Yeah. It's never because I want to be healthy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I only get to day two way. and then I give up. <laughs> but I mean, that was, and that's just a whole mindset, sure. mind shift mm-hmm. of why am I doing this? Yes. Yeah, so I think that's a very good thing to do. And, and it starts with us, yeah. right? You have mm-hmm. to, that's what I found is mm-hmm. I have to start changing my mentality, how I spend my time getting out of the mirror, honestly. Mm-hmm. How, what kind of conversations am I having with women where we're talking about how things fit mm-hmm. and what's pudging and spilling over and what I used to look like? What is the point of that? Yeah. What's the point of that conversation? I'm not, not from a judgmental place, but really ask yourself, what's the point of that conversation? Is it furthering the idea that my worth is in what my body looks like? Mm. Is it causing somebody who's sitting right there who looks the way that you're disparaging yourself mm-hmm. um, to feel isolated and mm-hmm. insecure there was somebody did say to me um as a result of the podcast they said i feel like all your you're harping on insecurity and anxiety in women and that's not good when you're talking about body image and i would agree because there's a lot of insecure and anxious women because of the way their bodies look mm-hmm. culture has told them a lie yeah we as the church need to tell them the truth because people are starving people are intentionally binge eating they're depressed, they're anxious, they have a lot tied up in their body. And so, yes, the conversation is about insecurity because these women are feeling that way because they don't know um, just how much Jesus made them on purpose. This was mm-hmm. good, Andrea. Good. This well, we should do this because this this question came up a lot and we talked about this on Instagram Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, people... Lots of people. Jamie, mm-hmm. what's up with the watermelon dress? <laughs> and I think I'll just address it, and I want you to sure, address it as sure. well. And and since we did the show, since yes. the show released, yes. I had dinner with Jackie, and I said, Jackie, I told the watermelon story on the podcast. She said, I can't believe you told that. I was like, well, I mean, you <laughs> Neither know. Neither can I. I did. <laughs> but I just want to clear up that there. I personally, there's nothing wrong with story wearing that dress. Mm-hmm. The reason I told that story is that all I needed was to be educated on that. And mm-hmm. once I know that, I'm not putting my sure. daughter in a watermelon dress to make mm-hmm. fun of her right. skin color, her mm-hmm. culture, anything. But I do need to be aware that that is a thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I've kind of landed. Yes, it's fine. It, I, I can tell you a funny story. Go for it. My kids and I went to the pool with another uh, black mom. She had two black kids. And so it's four black kids at the pool. And we had this floaty that my husband and I won at an event. Mm-hmm. Never used before. Took it out the thing. Blew it up. It was a big old watermelon. Big old watermelon uh-huh. girl. Just sees and uh-huh. everything on it. Four black kids just floating on this little watermelon in the pool. Yeah. And my friend had listened to the podcast. She said, oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> you in trouble now. Hope nobody see you with this float. That is said, funny. Hey, right. That is funny. Uh, but that's... Things have watermelons on them. That, okay. is, that is, yeah. it's fine, yes. right? Um, but what we have to be aware of is those same, those Jim Crow era, those caricatures around watermelons, small children, dark skin, um, the distorted images that Black people are still fighting to maintain their human status because those images said that they weren't. They were three fifths 
human, really, if you want to go back to the legal stuff. Um, so we have to be aware of the ways that objects are used for representation and the ways that they reinforce things in our mind psychologically. And watermelons are one of those things. So context is key. Context. And yes. that didn't end Jim Crow. I mean, no. th- when President Obama was president, absolutely, lots of caricatures of him with watermelon, which was reinstating what happened. What, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I said, I think on the IG Live, I'd said, when I think about the the biggest ripple effects on society, I think of those caricatures because they're still there. They're still things. Look up Anjamima syrup if you want to look up one for fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there are just a lot of different things that are being recapitulated over and over again, mm-hmm. and nobody knows the history behind yeah. them. Yeah. And so watermelons can be one of those things. Yep. They also can be just a fruit. Which we love so to eat at our house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, As do it. I. We love them. Okay. Um, and everybody can love them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to clear that up, you know, and I, <laughs> I don't know why I told that story. <laughs> Although, just to be real. Our connection to each other. Well, I and think. I just want to be real yeah. with people as well. Mm-hmm. It's be like, I'm learning. Like, yes. I never want to feel like, oh, I have this podcast and sure. I have learned. I'm learning something all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things that one of my friends, another friend of mine who is a woman of color said to me with that story is like, you should just know those things. And she yeah. was not being mean at all. She mm-hmm. was just saying, you need to take time to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. And I took that as a very like constructive criticism yeah. and yeah. I took it to heart, you know? And so that's important mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, I, I think I told you this, there have been times. And when that first happened, my heart mm-hmm. said, this, who cares? Yeah. This isn't, I don't think this, so what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had to humble myself. Sure. To humility. understand this is a big deal and yeah. I need to understand that. So absolutely, you can put your kids in watermelon clothes. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You need to know and then you might decide not to. Yes. I'm probably not going to encourage Story to buy watermelon mm-hmm. clothes anymore. Mm-hmm. Is she what? You know that. what I mean? Like yes, I'm just, it's, absolutely. it's just a journey to figure it out. But I think out. that's one of the biggest aspects of advocacy is knowing things. Watch your documentaries, read your books, go outside again of your comfort zone and know things yeah. um, so that you're not unintentionally recreating stereotypes or hurting your kids yeah. in certain ways. You know, a great, yeah, not mm-hmm. unintentionally with mm-hmm. the stereotypes, which is what I learned in that and not hurting my kids in yes. any way because there were people looking at her wondering Absolutely. why her mom did that. Absolutely. So that's what I learned from that. Mm-hmm. Do I think I did anything like wrong on purpose? No, mm-hmm. but I did learn that these things matter. Absolutely. And I have to be humble to say, I don't and think teachable. they matter to me, but if they matter to you, it matters to me. Sure. Yeah. And I'll admit that was hard. It is hard to do that, but I'm but I'm I'm here for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that we can encourage people, if this is um, just something they would like to learn more about, mm-hmm. which obviously you do, because the questions mm-hmm. that came in were awesome. Have you seen the Netflix documentary Thirteen, Thirteenth, Thirteenth, Thirteenth? As in the Amendment. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly recommend it. Absolutely, highly recommend. Very it. good. Um, Ethnic Notions is an older documentary I show in my African American Psychology class. That's just about caricatures yeah. and the history. Of oh, that. good to know. So yeah. you can learn that. You'll learn the history of that, so you won't recapitulate. Um, there's, for example, if you are a white parent and you start calling your young black son boy out in public, other people might respond to that certain ways, and there's a reason for that. So you can look into that documentary. It'll show you all of that stuff, and you'll see a lot of yeah. present day examples of those things. Yeah. And other things, I'll give you things yeah. to show the people yeah. they can read. And I think I think the thing that I want to leave, and we'll be done here, Patreon people, you guys are awesome, but I think I want people to leave is just what I'm learning and what I'm understanding is I just want to be a continual learner. Mm-hmm. And I, will ne- I have never been black and I never will be black, but my sisters in Christ are. Yeah. And so what matters to them should matter to me. And mm-hmm. so I just want to be a mm-hmm. learner. And so literally, I'm so thankful for you 
coming out to my house twice, <laughs> uh, but just to just to share with sure. us and and another thing too that you know that I have learned from my friends, you and other friends, is that this takes work on us as well. We don't just get to sit and listen to Andrea explain everything mm-hmm. to us, mm-hmm. uh, which is easy. Come yeah. to me, mm-hmm. explain Come it to, to me, me. Explain it. It, teach me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can watch these documentaries. We can read books. The the Google, sure. you know, and so. That's my encouragement yes. to the listeners. Use the internet wisely. Wisely, people. But use them. Use them wisely. Um, Utilize things. Dr. Andrea, thank you so much. Oh, you are so, so welcome. It's been fun. I, I've been really enjoyed being able to have these conversations. Well, I'm glad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I have the best listeners in the world, and most of them enjoy these conversations as well. <laughs> There's a few who don't, but most of them That's do. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> We're teaching and learning. There you go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. After the show is definitely one of the best parts to our Patreon party. I love that listeners get to interact with our happy hour guests and ask their follow-up questions. We often get to talk more in depth about elements in the show that the normal hour won't allow. It's really a great way for you to support the happy hour and gain an extra podcast joy in your month with guests that you already love. To learn more about Patreon and how you can join, check out jamieivy.com slash Patreon. To sign up for our VIP party membership, it's $6 a month, and you get a special edition of the Happy Hour Show every single week, a monthly after the show with me and a guest that's previously been on answering your questions that you have. We also do a live unplugged after dark with myself and my husband. That's always a lot of fun. Plus, we give you merch money each month, and you know about all that we have going on before anyone else does. In fact, this week, all of our Patreon friends are previewing an episode of a brand new podcast that releases this fall. My husband and I have been working on this show and I cannot wait for you guys to hear about it. And our Patreon friends, they're listening in this week. The show we're releasing this fall, it's a brand new podcast. It's called On the Other Side. We truly believe that everyone is on the other side of something. And we think those stories matter. They teach us, they shape us, they mold us into the people that we are today. My husband, Aaron, and I sit down with individuals Not necessarily for the story of what happened, but what life is like on the other side of that story. What do they look like now because of what they've been through? We believe that stories have a unique ability to bring people together and that we're all on the other side of something. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Quinn Pearson, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a friend. Have a happy hour with a friend. And I'll see you back here on Friday for a conversation with Preston Perry. Preston Perry.